0: In your distress, where will you turn? Next on Abounding Grace, be encouraged to call out to God. This is me you've heard it said that prayer changes things well that's true but it's equally true that praise changes things as we'll discover on today's abounding grace as you get older one of the more difficult things to avoid is not becoming bitter it's hard because the older you get the more hurts and pains you'll have to endure but if we're not careful the bitterness can rob us of our song of praise it's a giant of a battle David faced that giant and overcame it, too. To help us learn from David's example, let's join Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Samuel chapter 22. He begins in Jeremiah. Jot this down in Jeremiah chapter
1: 33, verse 1. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time, while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Verse 3 call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jeremiah was in trouble. He just spent the night in prayer. And in the morning, after praying all night, in the morning, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and told him to pray and I'll answer. And so God's people learned to call upon him and find his help and his strength many times through difficulty. It's a hard one to see in someone. You might have a friend right now under great stress under great difficulty, and it's hard to watch him go through it. I've been walking alongside quite a few people recently, but one brother in particular, for many times, watching what's happening in his marriage and the decisions of his wife, I mean, it's very, very difficult. It's very hard for me to watch. It's very difficult. And yet, in the middle of these great difficulties, the counsel is the same. It's to seek the Lord. Because who, which one of us, you know, hasn't in our time of great difficulty really thought somebody was going to come and rescue us. Surely someone will stand up for this. Surely someone will speak up. Surely someone will say something. Surely someone will point out. Surely someone will deliver us, only to find out that you're in a situation that God alone can, can save. Matter of fact, they oftentimes the people we think are going to get us out of it or make it easier on us. It doesn't. They make it worse. And now we're doubly discouraged. You, you might even be like David in, with Ahithophel, the one he took sweet counsel, became his greatest enemy, his greatest pain. And like David, it doesn't get better, but worse, as enemies in David's life and perhaps in ours see weakness, and interpret that as an opportunity for their personal victory. You know, you you watch in the world the way that the world works today. In order to prop yourself up, you always got to put someone else down. So you know if you're walking around with people that are always speaking negative about somebody, that that's a prideful, sinful response or attempt to make themselves look better. It's always painted in, well, you know what this, and what they did, and what they did, and what they did. I was speaking with a brother recently about some hurt and some offense in his life. And I said, brother, you got to watch out. The more that you pound the desk and establish your righteousness, the more self-righteous you become. And in self-righteousness, there's no humility. And even if things are going bad, the one to cry out to when you're confronted in the day of your calamity... The day you would think everyone would leave you alone, the day you would think people would pray for you, your worst day, and then somebody comes and kicks dirt in your face or tries to make it worse, the Lord is my support. Now, if you haven't ever experienced that, God bless you that you haven't had someone kick dirt in your face when you were down. But for many of us, it's common. It's the human condition, or maybe some believers that are in the flesh, or maybe some people that say they're believers and they aren't. Just know that the Lord is your support. But not just that, take this too in verse 20. The Lord brought me out into a broad place, and He delivered me because He delighted in me. This is cool. God brought me into a larger place, He turned it all around. It was much bigger than when I started. Yeah, I had my downtime. Yeah, I had my difficult time. Yeah, I was faced with great calamity. Yeah, I got dirt kicked in my face. Yeah, I have all. Yeah, but he brought me into a bigger place, a larger place because David, through the trials in his life, why was there a larger place? Because David, through the depths of his discouragement and difficulty, enlarged his heart toward the Lord. And God's response to that was bringing him out to a broader place more freedom, more joy more excitement. I like how the New Living Translation translates verse 20. He led me to a place of safety, and he rescued me because he delights in me. L- let me show you another one. Turn over to Psalm 4 with me, would you? Psalm number 4. Psalm 4, verse 1. Let's read this one together. You ready? You guys all with me? Let's read it out loud. Remember, p- people are listening uh, that aren't here right now. They want to hear you read the Scriptures together. So I'll start it off, and you guys kind of read it. Hear me, righteousness. You have relieved me. A lot of different versions in the room. (laughs) You relieved me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. You relieved me in my distress. Whatever way your version says, it's still sweet, isn't it? You relieved me in my distress. Turn over to Psalm 31, verse 6. Already there. No, I'm just kidding. Now I am. Tell me when you're there. Go, go. We're going to try this one. Even all the versions. Just read whatever version you have. It's okay. So this is Psalm 31, verse 6. We're going to go all the way to verse 8. I have hated those guarding idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. You have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities. You have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place, a broad place. You've relieved me, a wide place. One more, Psalm 118, verse 4. Psalm 118, verse 4. Tell me when you're there. You're fast. Psalm 118, verse 4. We're going to do verse 4 through 6. Psalm 118, verse 4 through 6. You ready? Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. I call on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. So true. In the school of life, God promotes those who in times of difficulty learn the lessons of faith, patience, and obedience. Let me repeat that. In the school of life, God promotes those who in times of difficulty learn the lessons of faith, patience, and obedience. What that tells me is that when you're in your time of distress and calamity, your faith will be challenged, your patience will be challenged, and so will your obedience. Those will all be on display. And how many of us in our times of difficulty have seen, well, we just haven't passed the test. We have to go back. We just didn't pass. And the Lord's revealing a part of our character in nature. He reveals himself so many ways. He's sovereign. He's wonderful. And yet there are times when he has to reveal ourselves to us. And I, I know that as we enlarge our heart toward him, he meets us. And it says in the end of verse 20 that, that he was delivered because, this is back in Samuel now 22, because he delighted in me. He delighted in me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered a must up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It's important for you to realize that God delights in you. God is for you. David says, The Lord is on my side. I shall not fear. What can man really do to me? Jesus would say, Man, don't, don't fear men that can only kill the body. You fear God, who can both kill the body and soul. He's in control of our eternity. But haven't you found this to be true? I know I have in my life. I fear man at times more than I fear God. And what a trap. What a trap. Or as one pastor was sharing recently at a conference I was teaching at, he talked about fearing man and how you let people get up in your forehead And all he was meaning is like, man, you let people get in your head when you need to give that to the Lord. Fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom. Satan would have you to believe that God is against you. The devil's desire is for you to turn against God by trying to deceive you into thinking that God has turned against you. Because of your failures, because of your weaknesses, because God's answer to you is wait, the devil tries to tell you he doesn't hear your prayers. Or that God's not interested in you. And, and that's not true. God delights in you. God is for you. How much more now in Christ and the sacrifice that Jesus has given for us. God knows all about you. He knows all about David. And he knew the weaknesses of David. And yet the Lord delighted in him. Now, all of this, as we were reading before, how, the, you know, verse 21, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, the cleanness of my hands. Some of the commentators look at this and think that David's exaggerating his own goodness. That may be some truth to that, but I disagree. I see something totally different. I don't see David bragging on his goodness. I don't see David trying to be self-righteous here. I don't see David declaring himself as a perfect man. I just believe he was praising God for enabling him to live a blameless life in the midst of very difficult circumstances. He just looks back and says, Lord, you see my life. You see all the opportunities I've had. You see how I could, Lord, I'm, I'm just so thankful that you have sustained me in difficult circumstances because this brother faced serious trials and temptations As we've studied before on the run from King Saul, you know, David sought to live his life to please God. He wasn't always perfect. Obviously, he'd be the first one to tell you that. But aren't you glad that your life isn't a book in the Bible? Aren't you glad that when we play a video, you know, if a missionary comes up and he says, "I just want to let you know, I'm a missionary and I'm heading off, I'm I'm going from Uganda to South Africa," but the Lord has sent me with a message, and I have the video of so and so of the last seven days of your life. Everybody want to tune in and watch somebody's last seven days of their life, all their secret thoughts, all the stuff that they did, what they did on I-25, what they did. I mean, and you're like, and then you're the person, and you just kind of slip out, but we locked all the doors. You're not going anywhere. People are the cameras following you all around the room now, and yeah, that's that one. Yeah, the one that's trying to run away. I mean, who would want to see that? And yet, David has such a life that his life is on display, and it's not even all the bad things. But it was enough to, for us to realize that even though David was not perfect, he was still a man after God's own heart. And the same is true for you and me. Verse twenty-six: With the merciful, you'll show yourself merciful; with a blameless man, you'll show yourself blameless. With the pure, you'll show yourself pure. With the devious, you'll show yourself shrewd. You'll save the humble people, and your, but your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down. There's some good to these verses and some concern. If you're a game player, you know, a prideful person, a manipulator, then you've got to know the Lord's going to be shrewd with you. If you're a person that's haughty and You know, you got to know the Lord's not going to put up with that. He's going to be brought down. If you're a merciful person, you're going to experience mercy. If your life is blameless, not perfect, but blameless, then then you're going to see God in a blameless way. You know, God deals with his children according to their attitudes and their actions. And because David was merciful with Saul, God was merciful with him. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's why it's so vital to remain and walk in the spirit because God always resists the proud. And it's true that we see that often that God is always faithful to his character and to his covenant. And he's going to be merciful with those who show mercy. Knowing God's character in our lives is essential to knowing and doing the will of God. You, you might have even been praying, God, I want to please you. Well, the way to please God is to know who he is and to know what pleases him, to know what, what honors him, to be put on that path of blessing. To be, to, to just, I'm not, I'm not praying to be blessed. I'm praying to be in that pathway so that I receive the consequences of obedience. Like, we, we, don't, we don't believe the Bible teaches, you know, you just command God and tell him what to do. But at the same time, when God says something to do and you do it, you can expect the Lord to honor that in your life. You can expect the Lord to bless that. And if you do something that is not honorable to the Lord, then you ought to understand the spiritual principle is true. When you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. And when you sow to the flesh, corruption is right around the corner. It's a spiritual truth. Just as much as if you jumped off this, if I jumped off this stage, within a half a millisecond, I'm going to fall to the ground. I'm not going to be floating around the room here flying. Why? Because of the law of gravity. Gravity is going to take me down. And the spiritual law of sowing and reaping is true in our lives here on the spiritual level. Notice in verse twenty-nine, "You are my lamp, O Lord; the Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop; for my God I can leap over. A, by my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, His way is perfect; the word of the Lord is proven." See, God. David uses the word "blameless" toward himself, but toward God he uses the word "perfect." And you see, he's not elevating himself. He's just being honest. It would be the same thing in your prayer. Lord, why is this happening to me? What did I do? What did I do? Like, reveal it to me. Because I look at my life, and I see my life. I don't, what did I do? Your word says in the Psalms that I'm to pray to you. And you'll search me and know me. That's where David is. He's not saying, I'm perfect, I should never. No, God is perfect. We're not. And it says in verse 31, the word of the Lord is proven, and he is a shield to all who trust him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and my power. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war, my arms can bend the bow of bronze. You've also given me the shield of your salvation, verse 36. Your gentleness has made me great. You've enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. What great boldness comes and encouragement comes from the Lord. David's life was literally in jeopardy every day. He was constantly in danger, but the Lord kept him alive and also provided for him. God empowered David to face his enemies without fear, running through them in victory, because God is a shield. He says in verse 38, I pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again until they were destroyed. And I've destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise, and they have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You've subdued, me under, you've subdued under me those who rose against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked that there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. He's using very flowery words to express some real issues in his heart. Because you know, in Jesus, in our new covenant relationship with Jesus, we're to do what with our enemies? Spread them out like dust? <laughs> Take them out with the bow and the bronze? No. No to love them and serve them, pray for them. Do good to those who persecute you. Jesus has taken the pain and penalty of our sin upon himself, and in exchange, he's given us a love for our enemies. David's not quite there, as you can tell. Verse 44, you've also delivered me from the strivings of my people. You've kept me as the head of nations, a people whom I've not known shall serve me, The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. And then verse 47, the Lord lives. He kind of ends on a high note. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me. That's right, David. Who subdues the people under me. That's right. Who delivered me from my enemies. That's right. You also lift me above those who rise against me. That's right. You have delivered me from the violent man. That's right. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. You're the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. It's one thing to have external enemies, but David also embattled his internal enemies his fleshly strivings. There's a whole section of it that he shares with us. He was king, so he's overseeing tribes and nations. He had a place of authority so that even in the future, Gentile nations would submit to him. We see that to be true, but also speaking prophetically at the end of Jesus in his rule and reign. And then he ends in a time of, of just acknowledging the Lord, blessing the Lord, acknowledging, man, just you do this, you do this, you'll do this. I trust you. You're my God. You're the tower of salvation. To you, I'll give thanks. And I think that that is a great way to end. To you, I'll give thanks. To you, I give my life. My life was in your hands when I liked it, when I enjoyed my life. And my life is in your hands when I'm not enjoying my life when the circumstances are just way over my head and I feel like I'm drowning in the waters of difficulty or the waters of sorrow or the waters of fleshly nonsense, whatever it might be. But Lord, you delivered me and you put me in a broad place. You widened my path. You took care of me. And that's just the Lord wanting to encourage you today. You know, I, I, wanna, I, I really believe this with all my heart. David made it to heaven. Do you believe that? Yes. <laughs> David, brother David's in heaven. And I really believe for those of you that are born again of the Spirit, that are born again in Jesus Christ, even though you may not feel like it sometimes, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. He who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But there's the warning, isn't there? Hey, having begun in the Spirit, are you going to try to perfect things in the flesh? Don't do that. Don't try to perfect things in the flesh. You were born again of the Spirit You've made it this far by the Spirit. So some of you, just as we close today, you're going to need to turn your heart back, back to the Spirit in your life. Back to the place of submission. Back to the place of humility. Back to the place of submitting yourself into a walk of the Holy Spirit. Amen?
0: Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're airing a series based in 2 Samuel, and I'd imagine this is just what many of you are needing to hear right about now. If you'd like to request today's study on CD for $2, please call 877 30 GRACE. That's 877 304 7223. You can also access the studies online at CalvaryAurora.org. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through the Calvary Aurora app. Search for Calvary Aurora. And as you do, you might also download the Grace FM Colorado app for more biblical encouragement. Thanks for your generous gifts to support Abounding Grace. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. Call us at 877-30-GRACE or donate online at calvaryaurora.org. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you The Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. Pastor Ray has partnered with God's people in Israel and witnessed the fulfillment of prophecy firsthand. And you might say this book highlights the amazing work God is doing even right now to usher in the coming kingdom. Again, call 877-30-GRACE or turn to CalvaryAurora.org on the web. Ed Taylor is the pastor of a church nearby, some of you, Calvary Chapel Aurora. And Ed, I'll give you this opportunity to invite our listeners to join us for a service. I would love to invite those
1: listening in in the Denver metro area, I mean, all throughout Colorado, to join us. Even tonight, we have Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. It's our... Uh, attempt as a large growing church to practice exactly what the Bible teaches in Acts chapter two, verse 42. The strength of the early church and the strength of our church here at Calvary is to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine in prayer, and the breaking of bread, and in fellowship, and that's what we do on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday night, we have a Bible study, uh, we have communion, we have a time of worship, we have time for fellowship, and we pray together. So come on out tonight, 7 p.m., or our weekend services, we're studying a different book of the Bible. We're in the book of Hebrews right now, verse by verse. We meet on Saturday nights at 6 p.m. or Sunday morning at 8.45 and 10.45. We would love to have you join us. Uh, make Calvary your home. Uh, Be a part of all that God is doing through this little church to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're not here in the metro area, hey, you can join us online. Just go to calvaryaurora.org or download the free app and watch us online. Uh, We would love to welcome you in. You can even take communion right there as you're watching online and join together with the church family here in Aurora, Colorado. It is such an amazing church. I'm so blessed to be a part of it. Hope to see you soon.
0: Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll hear some of David's final words as our series in 2nd Samuel nears its completion with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace.